Today, we're going to read from John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we're going to read verse 12. That's right, one verse today, and let's just keep it simple. If we can land one verse, that's a win. And then if next Sunday we can land another verse, that's another win. And then, and then, uh, and then during the course of our Christian lives, we're going to really unpack them. That's right, that's right. I just defended the fact that I've only got one verse for us today. John chapter 16, verse 12, I have, this is Jesus talking. He says, I have much more to say to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that there is more of you to know. And God, we pray you would speak to us today, move in our hearts, move in our lives. Lord, we're open to you. We're praying like you did to the disciples, that you would open our minds, that we would understand your word. We're praying you'd breathe on us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Have you ever felt the feeling of mental overload? Anybody? Anybody ever just been like, there is some new information and I can't take it on board? I don't know when it's happened to you, but I vividly remember the time that it happened to me the strongest. It was about six years ago, and, uh, and we, were in, we were in one of those shops that's got everything you need for children. Uh, uh, we, we were pregnant with our daughter, Bria. When I say we, you know, Emma was pregnant. I was supporting her as a husband, you know. And, and we, were, we were in the shop. We were shopping for prams. You know what it's like when you're shopping for prams? You are overloaded with options. Do you want the off-road pram? Or do you want the pram that's really good for paved streets? I'm like, is there anything in the middle, you know? We ended up, with, we ended up going with the off-road one, more as, like a, more as like an aspirational goal, like maybe one day we'll get off-road, you know? But we're shopping for prams, so many options. How do you make these decisions? Uh, for, for every first-time parent in the room, and, and, and if you've dedicated your, your first child today, I, I just want to say, I, I just got grace for you. There is a lot to get your head around. I'll never forget trying to install the base unit of the capsule, which clicks in. The, the clicking in of the capsule in the car, very simple. Installing the Isofix anchors for the first time, very complex. Hours of my life. It can be overwhelming. So, so I'm dealing with the pram thing. I'm going okay. And then, yeah, we're going to think about this pram. Yeah, we, we think it's the one we want. While we're thinking, I'm going to wander over here to the other part of the store. Terrible mistake. Because I wander over to this part of the store. It's where the high chairs are. I'm like, oh, high chairs. And there are these pictures of parents feeding their children in high chairs. And it just struck me. We're going to have to feed this child. There's mess. My gosh. We're going to have to prepare food for this. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Meal times are never going to be the same again. Oh, man, that whole period of time, hours of our lives now spent in meal times. And, and my mind starts racing. I start reeling. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm not panicking like I'm running away. I'm panicking like I'm not absorbing this information well. So then Emma comes along. What do you think about this pram? I'm like, uh, I'm just staring at, I'm staring at the picture of the high chair. Uh, she's like, what, are you okay? I'm like, uh, she's like, do we need to go? I'm like, let's get out of here. So we get out, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I just realized, meal times. Oh my goodness. I'm like 
I'm, I'm in the spiral of like, how are we going to deal with this? I, I felt so overwhelmed. Uh, mentally, I didn't have capacity to take this on. It was still true that we needed a high chair. Eventually, we went and got the high chair. But in that moment, that information was more than I could bear. This is what Jesus is explaining to the disciples in this moment. He's saying, I've got more to say to you than you can now bear. But it's different than me because this was the beginning of my parenting journey. Now I'm like, high chair? Yeah, absolutely. I can assemble a high chair, disassemble a high chair, blindfolded. I'm an expert now. But this, this verse in the book of John is at the end of, of Jesus' journey with his disciples. John chapter 13 to John chapter 19 is like a 24-hour period of the last 24 hours culminating with the death and burial of Jesus. But it begins with the Last Supper. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, then they eat the meal together. The Bible says then that, then that Judas is like, I'm gonna go betray Jesus, so he leaves. Then they sing a psalm. Then they go out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus predicts Peter's betrayal. Then after that, the Bible says, Jesus begins a speech. He, he begins to download his last grains of information that the disciples need before he goes to the cross. This takes three chapters. Our verse today is from the third chapter of the last message of Jesus to his disciples before he goes to the cross. After this, they cross over to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, and he takes Peter, James, and John in with him into the garden. They fall asleep, but Jesus prays. How grateful are we that even when we're sleeping, our Jesus is interceding on our behalf. The one who watches over us never sleeps, never slumbers. And then after that, he gets up from there. He says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Judas turns up and then he goes to the cross. This is like the end, the pinnacle, the final moment in three years of these guys being together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've walked to different towns together. They've gone on road trips. They've journeyed. They've ate meals together. They've heard Jesus preach publicly then they've got behind the scenes and they've asked him what he was actually talking about. And he's revealing the father's heart. He's revealing his intention. He's explaining parables. They get to ask him all sorts of questions. The Bible records some of them. Some of them are daft. Like if you've got the opportunity to ask God a question, why are you asking him that? But they've got three years. They've got all the time in the world. But then Jesus says to them, at the end of three years, I have much more to say to you. And if this is true of the disciples, how much more true is it of you and me? These guys are walking around with Jesus, the Word who became flesh. They're walking around with the Word for three years. And then after three years of walking around with the Word, the, these words come out of the mouth of the Word. I have more words to say to you, much more words to say to you. This is mind-blowing. If this is true of the disciples, this is true of us. This is a cause for encouragement for the body of Christ. God has more to say to you and to me. God is not done speaking to us. No matter how much you've heard from God in your Christian journey, God has more that He wants to say to us. 
He's got much more to say to us. He's got new things He wants to whisper into our ears. He's got new things He wants to highlight in our lives. God is not done working in my life, and He's not done working in your life as well. God wants to continually speak to each and every one of us. He's got more to say to us, more to minister to us, more of Himself to reveal to us. And for anybody feeling flat in church today or in Selwyn or in Masterton or online, no matter where you are in the world, anybody feeling flat today, this is a cause of encouragement. Anybody feeling hopeless or in despair, this is a cause for encouragement. Anybody just not knowing what to do next, this is a cause for encouragement. Anybody that's been obeying God for such a long time now that you're like, I don't know what God has for me next, this is a cause for encouragement. Because our God has much more to say to each and every one of us. And when God speaks, it brings hope to our lives. When God whispers to our spirit, oh, it brings life to our souls. When God speaks, it brings context, it brings perspective, it brings hope. When God speaks, strategy is birthed on the inside of us. When God speaks to us, faith comes alive. When God speaks to us, we know what step we should be taking next. When God speaks to us, it helps us to throw off everything that's slowing us down and run in the path of His commands. And whenever we're stuck in life, we should be encouraged. God has more to say to us. Oh, for every parent who has no idea what to do next, God has more to say. For every business owner navigating COVID, and, and this uncertain economic environment, God has more to say to you. For everybody living life and just trying to figure out what's next, God has more to say to us. For any person in the valley of despair, at rock bottom in life, let me encourage you today. God has more to say to you. God's not gonna leave you there. He wants to speak to you. He wants to minister to you. And when He speaks, it brings life to our lives. But here's the amazing thing. He says, I've got much more to say to you. But then he doesn't say it. Like if God's got something to say, I want to know it now. But he says, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And the next verse he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come and lead you into all knowledge. I'm not going to tell you right now what you can't bear. Why does God do that? Well, everything God does is motivated by love for us. God's only ever working for our good. So God is saying, Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm going to speak to you this much, but I'm not going to bring up these things because you can't bear these things right now. You need to land these things. Then after that, you might be able to bear these things over here. The Bible says in 1 John 5 verse 3 that His commands are not burdensome. The reason that the commands of God are not burdensome for us is the fact that He only tells us what we can bear. If Jesus was like, I've got much more to say to you, and here it all is, the disciples would be reeling. They would feel burdened. They wouldn't feel the love of God. They would feel oppressed, crushed, perplexed, in despair. 
And they wouldn't be able to put in practice what he'd already said to them. But Jesus is focused on the long term. So he speaks to them what they can bear in the moment. Can we just take a moment and think about everything that God has ever spoken to you about in your Christian journey? We got some, we got some like legends of Christianity in this room, people that have been following Jesus for decades. We've got people that have been following Jesus literally since last century. That's 21 years ago. That's like a, we can probably use that joke for the next 20 years. After that, probably not appropriate anymore. But if you think about all the things that God's spoken to you about in your Christian life, there'll be a lot of things. Give your life to me. Seek me. Stop doing that. Leave those friends that are leading you backwards. Get accountable. In this relationship, pursue that friendship. Serve, give. Open up your heart at life group. Forgive that person. Apologize to that person. Accept the apology of that other person. Surrender this part of your life. Repent of that thing. You get a nudge to go in this direction. You get a sense that we should leave that direction and go this way. God speaks about who we are. That's who you are. That's not who you are. You have to leave that part of you behind. And every time, His commands bring life to us. But imagine if God said to you, hey, so great that you're following me now. Now here's the list right now of all the things you need to do. I don't know about you, but I genuinely don't think that I would be able to put that into practice and obey God. I think I would feel totally overwhelmed and totally distressed and just be like, that is too much. And I reckon I would have tapped out. But God in His grace speaks to us about what we can bear. God in His grace speaks to us about one thing at a time or a few things at a time, but not everything all at the same time. But, he, but, but everything that we put into practice becomes a foundation for the next thing He wants to say. And then before you know it, you've got a whole life in Christ that's more than you can ask, expect, or imagine, but it didn't happen all at once. It happened one thing at a time. God works in our lives slowly. God works in our lives to produce fruit, which doesn't take place instantly. God is concerned about the overall long-term trajectory of our lives. And He's going to address things right now that are going to pull us off track from that, or He's going to address things right now that are going to propel us further forward faster into that. But what He's not going to do is give us everything at once. Now, I remember the day where, as a parent, all my dreams came true because my daughter, Bria, she was about three at the time, and she, she you know, Barbies, like, okay, I can do Barbies, you know. Uh, coloring in, yep, fantastic, but, um, uh, you know, she's not coloring inside the lines. Dress-ups, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't really, like, I don't really want to get dressed up, you know. Every now and then I'll do it, you know, but, you know, it's not like the, it's not like the dream, you know. Walks to the park, absolutely. Push you on the swing, absolutely. But as a parent, the day that your child wants to do something with you that you want to do, graduation. I made it. Heaven on earth. And I'll never forget the day that Bria wanted to play with Lego. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amazing. Do you want to play with me, Dad? Absolutely. Do you want to play with Lego? Absolutely. I'm reliving my childhood now. This is fantastic. I've been waiting years for this, you know? Praise God. So, so then we're, we're, we're building this Lego 
and we're following, she, she called them constructions, not instructions, constructions. Now, when your child is three and is that cute, you don't correct them. Yeah, let's follow the constructions, absolutely. <laughs> Emma, how good was that? Constructions, you know? Let's not correct her, you know? And, and, but the hardest part about it was trying to convince her to follow these constructions when, when the things that they were telling us to do weren't things that she could see on the box in the completed product. Got to put this piece here. She's like, why do we have to do that? I don't want to do that. I'm like, no, you got to put this piece here. Why? The constructions say so. But it's not on the box. Yeah, but you got to follow the constructions. you got to do what it says. She's like, yeah, well, you know, she, she can't think four moves ahead, you know. That's, that's why I always beat her at checkers, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Then she gets upset, then I have to let her win the next six times. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, we have to go back to Barbies. I'd rather lose at checkers than go back to Barbies, okay? Okay, I'm not getting my nails painted. We're not doing that. I'm losing at checkers, amen, amen, amen. So then I'm like, okay, well, you can, you can just learn this lesson yourself. So then I'm like, okay, fine. So then we, we skip the things that aren't obvious, and then we get to the end of the constructions and we're trying to put these pieces on or trying to do this thing and wondering why it hasn't all worked out. She's trying to wrap her head around it. I'm like, oh, well, because Bria over here, like we're on move 57 right now, back here on move number eight, you were supposed to put this, this two by eight down here, this yellow one, and we didn't do that. And that means that because we didn't listen to the constructions then, we now don't have the opportunity to do this thing over here that we would really like to do. Sometimes this is what we want to do in our Christian lives. I don't really want to do that. I want to do this. God, why are you speaking to me about this? This makes no sense to me. In the overall context of my life, like in the picture of where I want to go, this, this moment doesn't mean anything. This whole season doesn't make sense. Why would I give that up? Why would I say no to that? Why would I focus on this? Isn't this what you've called me for? But in our lives, when we follow the constructions of God, we end up building a life, building our lives in a way that turn out beautiful at the end. But when we try to skip the steps, skip the moments that God's speaking to us, we end up missing out on opportunities. Today's obedience lays the foundation for tomorrow's opportunities. But if we're not obeying today, we're not going to get tomorrow's opportunities. We have to, we have to obey God in every moment. God works in layers like this. You know, ogres, they're like onions. They've got layers. People are like onions, we've got layers. Every time we go to life group, we're, we've got to remove another layer of our onion. We've got to, we've got to let people in. That's, that's what we've got to do. When we come to God, we remove every layer. We, we lift up the veil like Moses did. But our Christian lives are like an onion, but we're building on top of the onion every time. It's like an onion that's still in the ground, just growing, 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 more and more layers. And before you know it, you've got an onion you can take to the onion convention. In Jesus' name. If you've been following God for forever, He's got more to say to you. He's got more layers to add to your faith and to your life in Him. And if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to church, there is an amazing adventure of following God 
that you are just beginning. And it is the greatest adventure that anyone has ever been on. The life of faith, the life of listening to and responding to God. So how do we get in a position where, where, where God is able to speak to us? How, how do we like, if God wants to speak to us, but he's only speaking what we can bear, but he's got much more to say to us, how do we get in a space where God can speak to us everything that he wants to speak to us? There are three things we have to do. The first thing we have to do is we have to get to know his voice. There's a story of, of the young prophet Samuel in the Bible and God's calling out to him, Samuel, Samuel, but he doesn't know it's God. And so he misses out the first two times that God wants to speak to him. The third time, he recognizes that it's the voice of God because Eli's helped him out. And then the Bible says that he's able to, to hear what God wants to say to him. And we have to recognize his voice. We have to get to know his voice. The primary way we do that is we get to know his word. We study the Bible. We get it deep into our hearts. The Bible says in James chapter one, it talks about the word that God has planted in your hearts. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. And when we take the word of God and we get it in our hearts, it's amazing because God begins to highlight different bits from his word as we go about our everyday lives. God speaks to us, highlights a verse, highlights a moment. Remember that Bible story. And this is God speaking to us in our lives. He reminds us of it. I love what the Bible says in the book of Jude. Jude is writing a letter to the church and he's saying, I'm writing to you, not things you don't already know, I'm writing to you to remind you of things. And I feel like that's what God does in our lives all the time. Reminds you of this, reminds you of that. Remember when you read that three days ago, he's reminding us of things. So number one, we have to get to know his voice. Number two, we have to decide to repent. Pastor John's always said to us, truth revealed and not responded to creates unbelief. You ever thought about the fact that when God speaks to us, he's doing it to draw us closer? But if we're not careful, God speaking to us can cause separation between us. Because he's speaking to us, but we're not responding. Creates a relational breakdown between us and God when we trust ourselves instead of agreeing with him. I, I, I like to think of repentance, the the. The, the word repentance in the original Greek literally just means to change direction. Like I'm going this way. And then the Bible in Isaiah talks about a still small voice that we'll hear telling us to go to the left or the right. Ah, oh, repentance, change direction. Saul to Paul, Damascus Road. It's like a 100, he's going this way and then his whole life direction starts to go this way. Then once you've got a relationship with God, then God's like, hey, go this way a bit. And you're like, okay, go this way a bit. Okay, go this way a bit, yeah. And then eventually we're gonna make it to where God wants us to go if we keep responding to his voice. I like to think of repentance as agreeing with God instead of agreeing with me. If God says it and I disagree with it, only one of us can be right. Most of the time, it's not me. <laughs> Every time it's not me. <laughs> so we have to choose to agree with God instead of agreeing with ourselves. Have you ever been in that space where you're like, oh God, speak to me. Speak to me about something new. 
because I don't want to do that thing. <laughs> if you came to church today and you're really hoping you'd get something new, <laughs> I'm really sorry. We have to agree with God. I'm not sorry at all. We have to agree with God. You've been in that place where you're like reading the Bible, you know, but you don't really want to hear from God because you know what he's saying. <laughs> Oh, yeah, great. Oh, no, skip that page. (laughs) Oh, God, would you speak to me? Not about that. No, no, I don't know if that's you. That's a relational breakdown because we haven't repented. We haven't agreed with God. When we repent, when we agree with God, it brings us closer to him. On this side of repentance is guilt and burden. On the other side of repentance is freedom and liberty. Psalm 32, verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When we repent, when we just admit to God, I got that wrong and I'm choosing to agree with you, it brings so much freedom to our lives. It is the most joyous place to be. Oh, it's scary. It's not fun while you're getting there. But then once we get there, oh, praise God. I am walking with Jesus and there's nothing that I haven't agreed with him on that he's highlighted to me. The will of God is not a specific destination. It's not a physical location. We never totally arrive. We're never fully discipled. We're never totally mature believers in Jesus. But being in the will of God is repenting of everything that he has put his finger on in our lives. And if we can do that, we're going to end up where he wants us to go. There are people in church today, for, for every place that I'm talking to today, there are people in church and you're agreeing with yourself instead of agreeing with God. I implore you, agree with God. He is not wrong. We are not smarter than he is. His ways are higher than our ways. He knows what's best for us. And the pain of repentance, the pain of letting go of our pride is worth it. There is reward on the other side of your obedience. I feel like there are people here listening today and everywhere that I'm speaking to today, and you feel like God is being unreasonable with you. Why is he asking me to do that? That's too much for me. That's the whole point of this message. God wouldn't speak to you unless you could bear it. And if God is asking you to do it, you need to repent and choose to agree with God instead of, agree, instead of agreeing with ourselves. He never gives us more than we can bear. And on the other side of your repentance, there is peace, there is freedom, there is wholeness, and there is healing. As the band come and join me today. Third thing we have to do, first thing is we have to get to know his voice. Second thing we have to do is we have to repent. We have to agree with God above ourselves. The third thing we have to do is we have to apply what he says. This is James chapter one. Don't hear it and don't hear the word and not be a doer of the word. We have to apply what he says. God takes a risk speaking to us. The risk is that we won't respond, we won't repent, and we won't apply it. And then there's that relational separation. But we have to repent, we have to respond to God, and we have to quickly apply what God is saying to us. First John chapter 5 and verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God, carrying out His commands. 
In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. We have to apply what God says. This can be a really hard thing to do. It takes diligence. It takes proactivity. Sometimes we have to say no to something, to say yes to the thing that God is asking us to do. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And as we lay these pieces down now, as we journey in life, we're going to be so grateful that we responded to God, applied what He was saying to us. There are Jonas in church today. There are Jonas in church. There are people who have heard God speak. You know His voice, it's number one. And you've kind of done number two in like the literal sense of the word, repentance, changing direction, you know. Jonah's sort of going this way. God says, go to Nineveh. And if repentance is changing direction, then technically Jonah, well, he definitely changes direction. He was like, I'm going all the way over here, you know. Changes his direction to avoid what God is saying. Don't do that. But there are people here today and you've done that. You haven't applied what God has asked you to do. There is truth in your life that you haven't responded to. And this is a moment for you today. Because the Bible says that God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. You ever thought about why God put Jonah in the Bible? Like God can use anybody. Like Jonah, he hears the voice of God, but he doesn't repent, doesn't apply it. He runs in the opposite direction. What sort of example is this guy as a prophet? Like if God could have picked anybody, why did he pick Jonah? You ever thought about that? I once asked God, and then kind of regretted it. I was like, God, why did you put Jonah in there? Like, why'd you pick him? Why didn't you pick one of these other super prophets? Like, why, why, did, why did you pick him? I just felt God whispering to my heart. I picked Jonah for you. I thought, what do you mean, God? I felt like God just said, for every time you've gone the other way. For every time, maybe you didn't physically go the other way. But the Bible says about the Israelites that in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. For every time in your heart, you've gone the other way. For every time you've thought, I don't know, for every time you've wavered, for every time you've been slow to repent, That's why God used Jonah as an example for us. And today as an example for every person who's heard God speak and you haven't responded. God put Jonah in the Bible so that he could put Jonah 3 verse 1 in the Bible as an example for us. Jonah 3 verse 1 is one of the simplest and most profound verses in all of Scripture. It's a verse that should give all of us hope. 
because here is a man of God who went the wrong way. God sends a storm. His buddies throw him overboard. Are they really his buddies if they throw him overboard? Gets eaten by a whale, spat out on the shore. And then Jonah 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. feel the presence of God right now. The word of the Lord is coming to people a second time. You said, no, you ran the other way. And the word of the Lord is going to come to you a second time. He has much more to say to you. He's got much more he's going to use your life for. God doesn't waste these moments. God doesn't waste these times. God redeems them and uses them for His eternal plan. Jonah, fresh out of his repentance, after the word of the Lord comes back to him a second time, goes to the great city of Nineveh, gets in there, and within one day, the city hits revival because God has used what He went through to witness and to minister to thousands of other people. And revival comes to Nineveh because the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And the Word of the Lord is going to come to you a second time. There are other people here today. You're the opposite of Jonah. God spoke. You went there straight away. You did everything God told you to do. And now you're sitting here and you're thinking at this level of impact, at this level of success, at this level of obedience, what is next for me? What is left for me? I've done everything that God has asked me to do. And today, my friend, Jonah 3 verse 1 is for you as well. The Word of the Lord is coming to you for a second time. If God has promised our church a second wave of revival, then before that happens, there is going to be a second Word of the Lord that is going to come to individual people in our church. Oh, and revival is going to come. Hope is going to come. Freedom is going to come. God is going to use His church because the Word of the Lord is coming a second time.